What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am your host, Blazers beat writer and pass first point guard Mike Richmond. The Blazers got a 2-0 lead, y'all. Portland took down the Oklahoma City Thunder 114-94 tonight at the Moda Center. I was there. Let me tell you what I saw. Uh, we're still going to do three segments today, but I'm basically just going to empty the old noggin on what I observed both on the court and off the court from the Blazers in game two tonight. This was, um, to me, this was pretty surprising. Uh, I, I, I guess I thought the Thunder, I don't know if I thought they were going to outright win, but I thought this game was going to be closer and it wasn't close in the end. Blazers boat raced them. Final three minutes were a white flag, waving two teams empty the bench type of blowout. I don't think I saw that coming. Uh, if long-time listeners will know that I'm always wrong about all my predictions. So if I did predict a Thunder outright to win, pretty much guaranteed the Blazers were going to win. But uh, let, let's get into a little more detail about what I saw. What we all saw. If you didn't stay up, East Coast listeners, if y'all didn't stay up late, I recommend rewatching the second half if you enjoy the Blazers and you got that bad boy on DVR because it was very fun to be in the old Moda Center. That place was rocking. Um, I guess if you're a Thunder fan, it was not very fun. Uh, if if you're into sort of like competitive crunch time basketball, not particularly fun either. But if you're into just sort of a good home crowd, we got that for show. So tied at 54. Thunder led by double digits in the first half. Kind of looked like uh, the Blazers were... Uh, just couldn't find their offense in that in, in that first half. They were they were shooting around forty percent. They were just struggling a little bit. When they closed the second quarter, on a really uh, with a nice couple plays, tied it up at fifty four. And then in the third quarter, the Blazers blew the game open. They outscored the Thunder thirty seven twenty one. And I I think this third quarter to me really tells the story. It had a little bit of everything. Um, Mo Harkless and Alfruk Aminu, who had dealt with a little bit of foul trouble, continued to just hound Paul George. The Blazers have been doing this interesting thing where it's mostly Mo Harkless guarding Paul George, but if uh, the Thunder come in transition, they'll just, uh, him and Alfruk Aminu will just point to one another. They'll just do a quick communication as they're coming up the floor, and the other guy will pick him up. So it's so Chief will just pick up Paul George, uh, Mo Harkless will go guard Jeremy Grant, and they'll just go from there. Uh, I think that's been really useful. The Blazers do something similar when Rodney Hood and Evan Turner are on the floor. And I, I mentioned this before, but I think this has been really the key to the Blazers defending Paul George is having length and having length at several positions. Now, this was in, in game one, it was all about PG's shoulder. Um, and I'm hey, I want to shout out all you guys because I think in the podcast following game one, I, I said his he had a wonky elbow. Uh, I also might have mentioned his shoulder, but the first time I mentioned the injury, when I was listening back to it, I said his elbow, and none of you guys tweeted at me to tell me I'm wrong. So I appreciate y'all. Thanks. That shows growth. Shows growth from all you itchy tw- uh, Twitter trigger fingers out there. Appreciate you. But yeah, he's uh, Paul George. He's got K-tape all up on that bad boy. He said before game two that he was pain-free. Uh I thought pain-free meant that just he had a bunch of ice on it and he couldn't feel anything in his shoulder, so he had no he was feeling free in that shoulder. But uh, he looked fine in this game health-wise to me. 
he finished 11 of 20. He was two for seven from three, which is uh, a pretty perfectly reasonable three-point shooting. He didn't get as many just sort of wide, 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 wide open looks like he did in, in game one. Blazers cleaned that up. That was really uh, one of the things in game one. The Blazers just gave up a kajillion wide open threes and the Thunder missed them. I thought tonight, uh, the Blazers did a little bit better of just contesting wide open threes. Thunder still probably missed a handful of wide open ones. Uh, Terry Stotts said after the game he charted the Blazers at 10 wide open threes, unguarded threes in game one. I'm going to estimate they gave about six in this one. Two to Raymond Felton that he clanged. Raymond Felton still getting booed in the Moda Center. Uh, all-time classic. But George looked fine. If, if game one was all about George's shoulders and whether he could... Um, put OKC on his shoulders both metaphorically and and uh, literally. Uh, I think game two kind of, you know, he wasn't on the injury report, and that's mostly just for political reasons. Why put him on the injury report if you know he's going to play? But I thought he looked fine. Also in game one, I mentioned that the Blazers didn't really get, they didn't, they didn't really coax bad Westbrook out. I think we saw a little bit of bad Westbrook tonight. Not the kind of crazy pull up and take three 19-footers in a row to will your team in back in the game, Westbrook. But uh, just the the Westbrook who just can't shoot. He was 5 for 20. Uh, he still almost got a triple-double because he's a stat machine. But 5 for 20, 1 for 6 from the floor, committed 6 turnovers. Finished with 14, 9, and 11. Uh, definitely could have got that triple double if we stayed in the last three minutes. Probably would have. Probably fin- would have finished with 20, 10, and 10. Uh, but but the big the big thing for me in this game was how well... It's probably the biggest takeaway for me in the game, and I wrote about it. Um, stories. If you're listening in the morning on Wednesday morning, the story's probably not out yet, but it publishes at around noon Wednesday. I wrote about how Damian Lillard... Uh, his defense was kind of at the center of this game for me. His he, he he's really taken the challenge of guarding Russell Westbrook. Now, he doesn't spend 48 minutes guarding Russell Westbrook. I think Westbrook played 32 minutes tonight. What do they have him at? Excuse me, 37 minutes tonight. That's more reasonable. And Dame, Dame doesn't guard him for 37 minutes. That's, that's like, not how this works. Uh, some of the time when Dame's in the game with Evan Turner, they put Evan Turner on him. Uh, Rodney Hood got a chance on a little bit on, on Westbrook, depending on, uh, which other wings were in the game and and they moved Dame on Dennis Schroeder a little bit, but Dame is really embracing this chance to guard Russell Westbrook. He's really, really enjoying it. There was one sequence midway through the third quarter that, that I think really sums it up. Uh, Westbrook drove, got to the right foul line, tried to go up for a mid range jumper. Dame just slapped the ball right out of his hands cleanly. Westbrook got it back and missed a three-pointer, and Dame just flexed and started clapping really emphatically in the type of uh, sort of a show of emotion you don't really see from him very often. And then he came down the floor and hit a 31-foot three-pointer right in Russell's grill. And then he put his hands, he he extended his hands over his head, and he flapped his wrist, and he later explained that that was the let it fly, which I think was both him letting it fly from 31 feet and also, hey, Russ, Keep on shooting, brother. I know you're going to miss it. But beyond sort of that weird taunting thing that Dame didn't, um, he did not confirm that he was taunting him, but I've watched Damien Lillard enough to know what that was, at least in my mind. But, uh, but beyond that, Dame just guarded Russell Westbrook well. He, he hounded him. He, he ended up with 
uh, three steals and two blocks, including the one I just described. Uh, he made Russell work on the perimeter just to get stuff. There was only about two just sort of really clean drives, both in the first half. Uh, and the Blazers really ramped it up defensively with Dame sort of as the as the key component of that in the second half, and particularly in the third quarter when they started turning the, turning the Thunder over and getting some points out on the break. Thunder tried to attack Dame in the post. It's probably where he's best at defensively. That didn't really work out. And, uh, and you know, and... I, Dame spoke afterwards about how he's kind of grown as a defender. He's always wanted to be a good defender, and he's always worked at it. But early in his career, maybe he didn't have the smarts to be a good defender. And I think that's true. He also would just, he just wasn't as strong. He would get killed on screens and all those things. And between his physical growth and his mental growth and his understanding, he's really become uh, a competent defender. And I think particularly in this matchup where he's, He's really just outplayed Russ in these first two games. He's been the better of the two all-star point guards. He's absolutely won that individual matchup. His defense has been a big part of that. Now his offense is really good. I'll talk a little bit about that, a little bit about C.J. McCollum, who was the Blazers' best offensive player tonight, uh, and, and the big man rotation for the Blazers in that second segment. But before I do, I want to remind you guys that you can get this podcast on the Himalaya app. It's a brand new podcast app that has curated playlists for you every day and also new features that they're rolling out all the time. This podcast is also available on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And remember, as always, when you get in your car, tell your smart device, your smart speaker in your motor vehicle, play podcast Lockdown Blazers, make it a part of your daily routine and your daily commute, improve your ride, listen to your boy pontificate, on the round ball and whatnot, it'll be a lot of fun. All right, so we talked Dame's defense. We talked a little bit about defending Paul George. Now I want to talk about just sort of in general, the Blazers' stars have outplayed the Thunder stars to begin this series. CJ McCollum tonight, 33 points. Eight rebounds, five assists. He was 12 of 22 from the floor. He made three of seven threes. He, this was as close to a complete game as, as CJ has played in a while. Uh, he kind of talked about afterwards how sort of thankful he is just to be here. Um, and it made me realize that during the game, I totally forgot that this dude missed 10 games with a knee injury. A knee injury that looked like it could take him out for a long time. A knee injury that we didn't know what kind of... Uh, shape he'd be in when he came back and he looks fine like he looks fine the 10 games off did him really well he looks really smooth it's game high 33 hit some big buckets uh, as the Blazers were pulling away in the third quarter uh, he, he he's he's been really really good uh, and, and the way that Dame has outplayed Russell Westbrook, you know, McCollum is not guarding Paul George. So I, to, to act like they're sort of, that's a matchup is disingenuous. But the idea that the Blazers' two best players have been better than the Thunder two best players has been the key to the series. And I mean, in a lot of ways, that's the key to every playoff series. Whose stars shine the brightest? And so far, it's been the Blazers' two stars. And that brings me to another thing I want to bring up. In the last few playoff series, uh, certainly against the Warriors and against the Pelicans last year, the 
the Blazers dealt with sort of really aggressive trapping on pick and rolls. And when those really aggressive traps came, they would force the ball out of Damian Lillard's hands and it would sort of swing over to Al Farouk Aminu or Mo Harkless and all that. But I think what the Blazers have learned in both seeing that for two postseasons and kind of knowing that that is the script that a lot of teams are going to roll out against them is how to sort of reset off those off those double teams. And maybe they don't always have to swing, swing, and get it to the weak side and, and put up a three-pointer. Now, you'll still see them do that from time to time. Uh, Mo Harkless and Alfred Camino, they each hit a three-pointer tonight, but they only they only combined to take 16 shots. Mo was really good. Uh he had 14 points and nine boards, and he was just fantastic. He had a really, really, really good game. Uh, Aminu wasn't quite as as loud, but he did fill out the the box score: six points, four rebounds, three assists, three steals, and and both of them played excellent defense. Uh, just making Paul George work for his stuff. Paul was efficient, but it wasn't nothing came easy for him, and the Blazers were sort of able to pull away and in, in, in spurts, but. But the Blazers have kind of learned how to deal with those double teams, it seems like. Dame is a little more patient. He'll take one more dribble and wait for maybe the Steven Adams not to not to commit all the way because he's too far from the rim and he's lost and the double team isn't really working. Or he'll take or he'll get rid of it maybe a beat earlier than the than the double team is expecting, get it to to Cantor or to get it to Zach Collins or, or get it to Myers Leonard. Uh rolling out of that pick and roll and then relocate and get the ball back. It's it, it just seems like after, you know, 150 games or 100 games of seeing this defensive tactic and having t- knowing that teams are going to roll it out that the Blazers and particularly Damian Lillard are just a little more comfortable with those double teams. So it isn't always about can the other guys can can Mo Harkless hit a hit a wing 3. Sure that's going to come up. It always does in sort of the way that that defenses uh, are going to approach the Blazers. But we've seen less and less of it because the Blazers are a little bit smarter about avoiding it altogether. And they attacked in transition a bunch in this game. and They forced uh, 16 Thunder turnovers, and so they were able to get out a little bit. Their half-court offense still struggled a little bit, but they were able to sort of make up for it by by playing defense, getting out and running, and, 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 and getting some things done. So I mentioned the Blazer bigs. Um, Ennis Cantor in the second quarter, you know, he didn't have his monster game that he had in game one. He, you know, when he checked out of game one, he had eight and eight after his first shift. I think he was scoreless when he checked out of, uh, checked out of the game after his first shift in this one. It just wasn't that sort of monster Cantor game. But it wasn't the game that Cantor got totally exposed. Instead, he maybe got hurt. Uh, in the second quarter, he was battling for a rebound, and he he got hit, and he kind of fell down, and he hurt his right hand, and he he was just immediately kind of uh, grimacing and flexing it and doing the types of things you do when you hurt your hand. He said he got an x-ray at halftime, but it was just a contusion and that he'll be fine for game three. But whether it was... Uh, whether it was the injury or whether it was him picking up a fourth foul, uh, Terry Stotts did not go back to him after he came out for the for the first time in the third quarter. Uh, Stotts said it was mostly just because the Blazers were playing well, but uh, Myers Leonard came in. In uh, he, he, he didn't get a cameo in the first half, but he did in the second half. Uh, the Blazers rolled with him, and he played 15 minutes. He was plus 17 in those 15 minutes. Blazers outscored the Thunder by 17 points with Leonard on the court. Um, I know single game plus minus is kind of wonky, but it felt like it. Like, 
He changed the game with his energy. He uh, he did commit some 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 maybe some questionable fouls, but he competed. He got he on switches. He got one on Dennis Schroeder where he chased him down in the corner and made it tough on him. Another on Paul George where he sort of. Uh, you know, kept kept Paul in front of him and made him take a mid-range jump shot. Another on Russell Westbrook where he funneled Russell Westbrook to the middle of the floor where a bunch of other defenders were waiting. I mean, Myers was competitive on defense. Uh, he blocked a shot of Paul George that they called a goaltend. I think it was probably a clean block, whatever. But, I mean, his, his you could he said after the game, he told me just on, on the side before his interview started, that he's like, my timing is getting better. Like, I'm getting close. And... Uh, whether you want to believe that about Myers or not, uh, it seems like this was the type of game where his energy and his size um, were really useful. He hit a big three-pointer there in the fourth quarter when uh, it looked like maybe the game was still in the balance and helped the uh, helped the Blazers push the lead back up to 15, I believe, when he hit it. Uh, he, he just played well. Uh, he obviously has his limitations, but he's a really, he's a big body. He's, he's a better matchup probably playing against, uh, Steven Adams than, than, uh, Zach Collins is. And I think that's what a lot of what Stotts was doing. He was going to play in the second half. If, if Nerlens Noel was going to play, it was going to be Collins's minutes, or if they were going to go Markeith Morris at center, it was going to be Zach Collins's minutes. But if it was going to be, if it was Steven Adams in there, they wanted a big body. They wanted Myers to, to get in there and rebound and to play hard. He certainly did that. Thought it was really positive minutes from Myers Leonard tonight. Uh, my colleague at NBC Sports Northwest, Jamie Hudson, wrote a story about that. As of recording, that has not published. But by the time you listen to this, I'm sure it'll be up. So check it out. All right. Uh, in the third segment, we'll get back and talk a little bit about the last odds and ends. Look ahead to game three. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys to check out the uh, all-new Locked on MLB pods that just dropped. So you can check out Locked on MLB, the overarching baseball podcast on the Locked on Network. But also there are Locked on podcasts for your favorite baseball team, much like Locked on Blazers. So daily podcasts or multiple times a week, little mini podcasts to catch up on your team. So I encourage you to check all those out. Fan of your favorite team, or if you want to listen to, to some podcasts about your rivals or t- upcoming uh, series you have, check out those podcasts, wherever podcasts are sold. All right, welcome back. Still Mike Richmond, still locked on Blazers. So I think game three is the first must-win of this series. I don't think the Thunder can come back from 3-0. And I think it's interesting that when teams win the first two games in a series despite all the sort of math that says how likely you are to win and all that. They always downplay it. But I wouldn't downplay this. I, I, I think the Blazers have, no matter what happens in OKC, I think they've exposed their advantages against against this team. Uh they have enough defenders to handle Paul George. You know, they didn't have any, any, any answers for him in the regular season. But through the first two games, whether it was injury in the first game or whatever, they have enough answers at least to make it make him work for it. And they've got a point guard who's willing to take the challenge against Russell Westbrook. And they're just dialed in defensively more than we've seen them. And like I mentioned before, their two best players are playing great. 
And here's a little history on the Blazers' side. This is the 15th time they've gone up 2-0 in the series. Last time they did it, this was the .9 second year, the 2014 playoffs when LaMarcus Aldridge went nuts, had back-to-back 40-point games in Houston, and the Blazers went, came back to Portland up 2-0 and then promptly lost Game 3 in overtime. That was my first season covering the team, regularly traveling and covering the team. Um, I certainly remember it. <laughs> certainly remember Troy Daniels lighting up the Blazers and then uh, seeing Troy Daniels' dad wearing his college jersey in the back of the Toyota Center uh, hallway because they didn't make a Houston Rockets Troy Daniels jersey at the time. But instead of reminiscing, I guess my point is that uh, w- while the 2-0 lead is, is mathematically means you're very likely to win the series, uh Players downplay the sort of 2-0 lead, particularly when you first two, two games at home. All, all we did was hold serve uh, because the game can can turn pretty quickly. Uh, if you'll recall, the Blazers were down 2-0 in, to, the, to the Clippers and came back and won that game in game series in game six. Obviously, there were some injuries involved and all that, but even before the injuries, uh, you know, the Blazers had you know, one game three back in Portland were winning in game four with two minutes left before Chris Paul broke his hand and, and uh, I believe it was a quad injury, maybe hamstring injury, some, some leg injury for Blake Griffin ended his season. So it's, it is fragile. There's a lot of, I guess there's a lot to suggest that the Blazers are in really good shape and likely to win this series. But, uh, I guess players on both sides downplay it for different reasons. The the Thunder downplay because they say, you know, all they did was win at home. Now all we got to do is win at home. And the Blazers are downplaying it because, you know, for, for the same reasons, but also just because no one's going to say, hey, we got this. But like I said, history's on the on the Blazers' side. Not only their own history, but most math suggests it. So how can how can OKC win? How, how does this turn south for the Blazers? How do they win? Well... The Thunder went 5 for 28 from 3 again after they went 5 for 33 from 3 in the regular in the game 1. So they've played 84 games. Now the Thunder have 82 regular season games and two playoff games. Their worst two three-point shooting nights have been games 1 and 2 of the playoffs. In all 84 times they've taken the floor this season. So there is something to for me, that says that the Thunders kind of just write this ship because they randomly make shots because of the old adage that role players play better at home. So their role players, their Terrence Ferguson's, their Jeremy Grant, who's been totally MIA in this series, and I thought he was going to be a big X factor for them. Um, he was one of seven, zero oh for five from three tonight, three of six of the free throw line, five points, four boards. Jeremy Grant has killed the Blazers a little bit this season, just doesn't exist in this series so far, but the idea that he'll play a little bit better, and that also Mo Harkless, Alfaruk Aminu, Myers Leonard, those guys won't play as well in an unfamiliar gym. So I think it's as simple as that. I think it's as simple as maybe they make some threes. Maybe they make four more three-pointers, which would be like twice as many, I guess. So it's kind of a big jump, but... but you know, maybe the open ones they knock down. So maybe if they got six open ones, maybe they hit three of those, four of those. 
I think the Thunder aren't as far away as this game would suggest, but I'll say this. Blazers look like the better team through two games, just unequivocally the better team. I I don't think the Blazers played super well in game one, but they were really gritty in the last four minutes and made the plays to win. In game two, they just beat the Thunder's ass. That was just a butt kicking. Like I said, in my the last podcast, you can luck your way into one one win in the NBA playoffs. You can't fake the funk all 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 series long. Blazers aren't faking the funk. They've been favored in these first two games, and they've won them outright. I think Game Three on Friday night should be entertaining. I think it could end the Thunder season. Blazers have a chance to do it. I will talk to you following that one. The Blazers can put themselves in position, put themselves on the brink. A lot went right for them so far. We'll see once they get on an airplane tomorrow if a lot will go right for them in Oklahoma City. Thanks for listening to this podcast, y'all. If you want to tweet at me and tell me what I got wrong, even though I praised you for not doing that, the place to hit me up is at Mike G. Rich on Twitter. You can read my story from this game and the rest of my playoff coverage at NBCSports.com slash Northwest. You can find this podcast on the Himalaya app. It's also on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I will talk to you guys real soon. Appreciate you listening.